0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. In the gospel reading for today, the Jews are questioning Christ about who he is, and they're looking for signs, and they're looking for some kind of clarification from him as to who he is, and they're accusing him. Um, And then in his dialogue with them, we read in John chapter 10 that he says this, he says, My sheep, hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Um, Here, Christ is declaring how much he wants to give us salvation, right? How much he wants us to have salvation in Luke chapter 12, he says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like God wants our salvation. Now sometimes we we think that God is like trying to find any reason to disqualify us, that God is looking at every mistake we make, every bad thought we have, every wrong thing that we've said, every bad motive, every sin that we commit, and that God is looking at all these things and shaking his head in disappointment and looking at us. And saying all of these are reasons why you are disqualified from the kingdom. Right. But this isn't the way that God isn't the way that God works. God wants us to be saved. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Right. Um, Nothing can take us out of his hand. This is what Christ said. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So the idea that no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand is very important, right? Because it means that no, nothing outside of us can cause us to lose our salvation, nothing, okay? I'm gonna speak today about what are all the things that are not able to snatch us out of the father's hand? Maybe things that bring us a lot of guilt and fear and and make us fear always that we are not going to have salvation, afraid that, God is going to cast us into hell, afraid that God is judging us, <clears throat> and that on that day of judgment, there will be nothing but bad things that are going to be said about us, right? The reason that we have salvation is because of God's mercy, not because we are good, not because I have done enough good things. It is because God is merciful. If God were to judge us according to our works, then no one at all would be saved, right? Because this is this is how it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Um, Christ had not been crucified. Um, We were accountable and judged for every sin that we committed. And each sin that we committed disqualified us from paradise, right? And and so every sin was on our account. Nothing was blotted out. Nothing was erased. Nothing was forgiven. Everything was on our account. And so because of that, when, when you look at this list of sins, we were disqualified from paradise, right? But in the New Testament, Christ took all of the consequences of those sins that we committed on himself so that now we are not judged according to this long list of sins because whenever we repent of these sins, they are blotted out, they are erased as though they never happened. Okay? This is why Christ is saying no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Okay, So I'm going to speak a little bit about what are some of the things that are not able to snatch us. From from our father's hand, but before I say that, I just want to make a qualifier, so that you know you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Okay, I am not preaching a message that essentially it says, well, no matter what we do, we have salvation. That no matter how we live, that we we have salvation. That even if we reject God, we have salvation. This is a doctrine that is um, believed by some of the Protestant churches um, called eternal security. I'm not saying this because Saint Paul tells us. In Hebrews 12, verse 4, he says, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, right? We are called to work the maximum we are able to work. We are called to repent the maximum we can repent. We are called to struggle the maximum we can struggle. We are called to pray. We are called to fast. We are called to ask God for forgiveness. All of this is our role, okay? But despite all of that, even when we ask God and even when we try our best and even when we do everything that we can, oftentimes we still sin, right? And so the the idea here is that nothing outside of us, okay, outside of our lack of repentance can cause us to fall. So what are some of the things that cannot snatch us out of the father's hand? The first one is the devil, okay? The devil is the enemy of good and he wants to take our souls to Hades. And this is his whole purpose in existence. His whole purpose in existing is because he wants to take our souls to Hades. This is the only thing he has, this is the only thing he has left. He was cast out of heaven. He lost his position. God already has declared a judgment on him that he will eventually be, you know, uh, thrown into the lake of fire, right, in the book of Revelation. So so what is what is it that he has? All that he has is to try to tempt the people of God to indirectly hurt God by hurting his children. Okay? This is, this is what he does. And he works nonstop. We read about him in 1 Peter 5. He, uh, Saint, Saint Peter is saying be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour this is what he does all the time every praise right every day he's, he's tempting the children of God okay but for those who are the children of God he cannot touch them okay in 1st John chapter 4 he says you are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is in you Is greater than he who is in the world, the God that is in us is greater than he was in the world. The devil is actually the one who is, has authority over the world God gave him this authority over the world, but the one who is in us, who is God, is greater than he who is in the world. It's greater than the world the system of the world the devil who is, has authority over the world, God is greater than him. In Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice uh, saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, accuser of our brethren is the devil, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, right? The devil has been defeated. In the last days, the devil will be completely defeated and he will no longer have freedom to tempt. He will no longer have freedom to try to destroy the children of God, right? He cannot touch us because God is with us. In Luke 22, right, it says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That St. Peter, even though he fell, even though he fell because the devil tempted him, and yet his fall was not permanent, Christ said that he would return again, and St. Peter did return again, and he became one of the greatest apostles right so even though the devil wars against us and spiritual warfare is indeed like a very strong battle and the battle lasts our entire life right and indeed the devil is dangerous and very cunning and very deceptive and we see that all throughout the scriptures but he is unable to take us out of the father's hand it is only when we choose to go after him and we choose to go after him without any uh without any repentance that we choose to go after him and we fall and we never return okay this is uh this is when we fall we fall because we choose to leave the father's hand not because the devil has taken us out of his hand so no matter when we are how much we are deceived no matter how much we are tempted no matter how much we fall there's always the opportunity for return just as saint peter who denied christ but there was opportunity for return and this is what God keeps open for us. This is why nothing can take us out of our Father's hand, because it's only one repentance away. It's only one confession away, that simply we will return again to God, and we would remain with him. The second thing that cannot take us out of the Father's hand is the law. Okay, what is the law? The law is the set of requirements, right, that the people were called to obey in the Old Testament. okay. And, and there were many different kinds of laws in the Old Testament. Some of them were the laws of sacrifices that were necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Um, there were laws about different feasts and fasts that the people had to follow. <clears throat> there was laws about things that were clean and unclean. There was many different kinds of laws in the Old Testament. And these laws were so difficult that no one could follow them. No one was able to follow them. And this was by design, right? They were designed to be difficult. So that the people would realize that they were sinners. So the people would realize that they cannot by their own will, by their own choices, bring salvation on themselves. They cannot be obedient. They cannot be without sin. They are always sinning because they're always failing. They're always falling short of the will of God. They're not able to follow his commandments. So now the people are waiting in hopeful expectation for salvation. That the one who is to come the savior who would be a savior for them. They see that they are in need of him because they see how much they are sinners, okay? But in the new Testament, in the new covenant, these requirements of the law that are necessary for righteousness, that are necessary for salvation have been abolished. In Colossians chapter two, it says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, right? The law no longer is the reason why we um, perish. It is no longer the reason why we perish. In the Old Testament, this is why people perished. People perished because they could not fulfill the law. In the New Testament, it doesn't mean that God's moral standard has changed. It just means that when we fail to meet the moral standard, when we fail to meet the standard of God, the consequence is not perishing. It's not, it's not falling away and, and, and losing our salvation, right? The law can no longer condemn us, right? This is what this is saying. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. This is the law, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us doing good works. It means that when we fail, right, to meet the standard of God, then God can still accept us. Then we can still return to God. that again, through a life of repentance, we can repent and come back again to God. So the, the, the law is unable to take us out of the father's hand. Okay? Something else that cannot snatch us out of the father's hand is other people. Okay, they are unable to take us from the Father's hand. In Psalm 118, it says, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who aid me, right? Even those who are the strongest enemies against us, those who are the most cunning enemies, those who have the most power and authority over us, those who have harmed us in some way or the other, those whom we fear, right? Here, King David is saying in the Psalms, do not be afraid of these people. Do not be afraid of anyone. No one can really harm us or touch us, right? Because um, the Lord said what? Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, right? The, The extent that someone can hurt me in the world it's to harm me physically, right? It's to just is to harm me physically. But what 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 um, Christ is saying is no one can touch the soul, right? No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. No one can make us to lose our salvation, right? No one can force us to do anything against God. No one can force us to make these choices, these sinful choices that cause us to lose salvation and never to return again. We always have a decision and a choice that we can make. We always have um, a choice in how we choose to live and what we choose to do. This is really what we learn from the lives of the martyrs. You know, the, the 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 martyrs they stood up against immense pressure and immense pressure for them to uh, forsake their faith, and yet they stood firm and they stood strong and they didn't allow anyone to. Uh, Deceived them. They didn't allow anyone to intimidate them, and they remained faithful to Christ. And even those who did not remain faithful after they fell could return again, and Christ would accept them, just like as we see in the example of Saint Peter. So, no one around me, no spouse, no friend, no family member, nor coworker, no one from any aspect of my life, whether past or present or future is able to control my soul, has any access to my soul. This is completely in God's hand, right? And as long as I remain faithful to God and I'm repenting when I fall, then I am not leaving the hand of God. I am remaining faithful in the hand of God, okay? No one can remove me from the Father's hand. Bad circumstances cannot remove us from the Father's hand, cannot snatch us, okay? In Psalm 40, It says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Right. Again, King David went through so many difficult times in his life. And the times where he wrote some of the most beautiful psalms here, and he's saying, I wait patiently for the Lord, right? Even in the midst of the darkest of times, I wait patiently. And he inclined to me. He heard my cry, right? He, he listens to me. And, and for us to acknowledge and to realize and to understand that even in the midst of our most difficult times, in the time of loneliness, in a time where no one is around me to help me, in a time especially when maybe those people that I trusted betrayed me, disappointed me that the lord is the one who is present that the lord is the one who will never depart and will never leave and will never forsake right and he is the one who delivers us from the hands of our enemies out of the horrible pit out of the miry clay he set my feet upon a rock so no bad no circumstances right that happen to us can make us to lose our salvation actually God turns all of the difficult circumstances in our life actually to be good. This is what it says in Romans 8.28, right? In Romans 8.28, says, all things work for good to those who love God. How is that even possible? Like, like even like, let's say in the story of Job, in the story of Job, the devil intended evil to Job. Like, like God, uh, the devil was not trying to do something that benefited Job. He was not trying to teach Job an important lesson. He was not trying to teach a lesson to the world that we now read the story of Job and benefit from it. He wasn't trying to do anything positive or good, the devil. He was trying to destroy Job, right? And all of the circumstances that he sent against Job were intended to destroy him or intended to make him to, to lose his faith, to fall, to curse God, to to give up completely, right? And yet that's not what happened. The Lord stood with Job. He was able to endure it and God turned it into something of to his benefit. And to our benefit, that when we read his story, we benefit from it. So God can bring us out of the most horrible of circumstances. This doesn't mean that he fixes every problem that we have, okay? But it does mean that he can bring us peace and comfort even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Back to the examples of the martyrs. You know, so many of the martyrs, when we read about them, they are in like this state of contentment and, and peace, even while they are ready to go and be killed. You know, St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was martyred, all of his thoughts right before the time of his martyrdom had to do with like his people and to serving his people and to comforting his people, even when he himself was about to be killed. Right. Like when someone is trusting in God so much, then even the circumstances around us cannot move us. They cannot take us from the father's hand. Right. To be above the world does not mean to leave the world. Okay, but it means that the world does not affect us, you know, it's like we, we we are not hermits, we are not living in the desert. And even while we are living in the world, we are not moved by the world. The world doesn't hold anything for me. It doesn't attract me. It doesn't frighten me. It doesn't uh, make me feel anything. It's like I'm living here in this place, but my home is in heaven, I'm with God, right? And as long as we can cultivate that that experience of being with God and focusing on God, then the world loses all power against me. And there is nothing that can move me, nothing can take me from my father's hand. The last point I want to mention of something that will not take me from my father's hand is even my own sin. And maybe this is the, the one that's the most difficult to understand and to accept because we tend to feel... Uh, in despair, uh, afraid of losing our salvation, why? Because we sin. Because especially after I sin, that I can feel this feeling of shame and guilt, and and as though like I've been rejected by God. Okay, but what does Saint John say in First John chapter two? He says, "My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father." Jesus Christ, the righteous, right? The the message of salvation is struggle against sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate. You have someone who defends you. You have someone who fights for you. You have someone who died for you. You have someone who took punishment instead of you. You have someone who opened the gates of paradise for you, not because you were good, but because you were not good, right? This is what salvation is. Salvation is that we are receiving the kingdom of heaven Having not deserved the kingdom, having not deserved salvation, having not deserved to be in the presence of God, having not deserved anything that God has done, he is the one who has done it for us, right? This is grace. This is what grace is, that God has given us what we do not deserve. And God shows us mercy. Mercy is that he doesn't give us what we do deserve. He doesn't give us the punishment that we do deserve. He doesn't give us the consequences that we do deserve. We have been granted the forgiveness of sins simply by asking. You know, if we really think about how easy repentance is. Repentance is simply going to God and asking him, forgive me. I'm sorry for what I did. Help me not to do this again. That's it. Like, we are not called to pay a certain amount of money that's too difficult for us to pay. We're not called to go on some kind of pilgrimage that is very difficult and hard to do. We are not called to... To sacrifice really anything other than our will. That's the only thing we really sacrifice in confession. We sacrifice our will. I I acknowledge that God's will and God's standard is the right one. And I submit myself to him. And I say to God, God, I have sinned. Forgive me. And in that moment, we are forgiven. Right? If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So through the crucifixion of Christ, he has wiped away all of these things. He has become our advocate. In Hebrews 8.12, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Right. So while we, you know, as much as we want to stop sinning and as much as we are called to struggle against sin, we also have to, when we fall, not to have an unbalanced reaction, right? Sometimes some people, um, they set this standard of righteousness and perfection. And that when when we fall, we're almost like shocked. And we're almost like we get so upset at ourselves for what it is that we have done. But if we have a more sober uh, kind of self-understanding is to realize that I am a sinner. I was born a sinner. I will die a sinner. Every day of my life, I will commit sin. We should not be shocked when we fall. We should not be shocked that we do certain things wrong, right? Because this is who we are. We are made of dust and we are weak. You know, sometimes we we, we it's hard for us to come to grips with really who we are and the magnitude of our weakness. But the more we realize our weakness, the more we are able to accept salvation. The more actually we, we see God as a, as a loving savior to us because we realize how much we need him just as what he wanted to happen with the Israelites in the Old Testament. He wanted them to realize how much they needed him, right? Because the standard of righteousness that God called them to was not possible for them to live up to. The same is true for us. God wants us through his grace to be righteous and to be pure and to be without sin, but we are sinners. We are sinners. And so whenever we fall, just as St. John said, we have an advocate with Father, Jesus, with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the defender. He is the one who declares us to be righteous. He is the one who forgets our sins. He is the one who says that says, "Our lawless deeds I will remember no more." Right. So, so it is through His mercy we have salvation, and is not through our goodness. So, in conclusion. And Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, right? We are called to strive for holiness, to partake of the mysteries, to repent and confess when we fall. This is our role. This is our part. This is all we can do. I try to achieve holiness. I try to struggle against sin. I try to stay away from sin. I try to stay away from the things and the places and the people that cause me to fall into sin. I, 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 I draw closer to God. I read the word of God. I partake of the mysteries. I take communion. And when I fall, I repent and confess. This is the entirety of our Christian responsibility. This is what we are called to. This is what's within our power to do. It is not within my power to stop sinning. It is not within my power to, to, you know, suddenly some weakness that I have, essentially to say, well, I'm not weak anymore. No, the weakness is beyond our control. What is within our control are these things, striving for holiness, partaking of the mysteries, repenting and confessing when we fall. This is what is within our control. And this is what we are called to do each and every day of our life, right, till the very end. This is what's in our power. Everything else is up to God. It is the grace of God that saves us. We are saved not because we deserve it, not because we have achieved some rank, some level of holiness that we are saved. Okay. Everything else falls on Christ. When we pray in the Thanksgiving prayer, what are we thanking Him for, right? The Thanksgiving prayer that we pray in the in the liturgy, we're saying, "You have covered us, like 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 you have protected us. You have hidden our sins. You have even uh, hidden our sins from one another, so that I would not be exposed. The depth of my weakness would not even be exposed to others. You have helped us." Okay. You are, you're a constant help in a time of need. you're always helping me. you're always giving me what I need because I'm always lacking. You have guarded us, okay? you accepted us, you spared us, you supported us, right? All these things that God does for us that we cannot do on ourselves. okay this is this is always important for us to remember. God is the one who is the source of these things, right? So we shouldn't lose heart when we fall. We shouldn't lose heart when we realize how weak we are. We shouldn't fear, but we should always be hopeful, right? Jeremiah the prophet in the book of Lamentations, the whole book of Lamentations is sorrow, is expressing sorrow at the fall of Israel, the fall of Jerusalem, right? When the people were taken into exile, okay? The book of Lamentations is like the book of of, of sorrow, is lamenting what it is that's happened because of the sin of Israel, okay? But, In this book of sorrow, there is glimmers of hope, right? Jeremiah says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, right? They are new every morning. If every day we remind ourselves of what it is that we are called to do that day, we are called to struggle against sin and we are called to repent. We're called to to make every effort to connect to God. Okay, that is our part. But we are also trusting in the faithfulness of God and that in God's mercies are new every morning. Every day, God looks at us in mercy. So we should not be living in constant fear that, that suddenly we are no longer in the hands of the Father just because of our own sin. Regardless of any of these things, the devil cannot take us from the hands of the Father. The requirements of the law cannot take us from the hands of the Father. Other people cannot take us. Bad circumstances cannot take us. And finally, even my own sin cannot take us from the hands of the Father as long as we are repenting, right? And this should bring comfort to all of us as believers because these are all things that we can do. These are all things that are within my ability to do that we are called to do. And even though I am not uh, living up to some kind of super standard of holiness that I wish that I were, even, even though I haven't gotten there yet, and yet I still believe that God is able to uh, accept us to himself. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Okay, we have uh, a lot of announcements today. Um, So, of course, um, everybody knows that there have been a lot of changes um, into the church uh, since the COVID uh, happened. um, And we've had to stop doing a lot of things. Thank God now things have improved a lot from where they were. Um, and um, we're ready to start thinking about um, trying to restore things back again, gradually and slowly, to the way that they were originally, where, you know, we had a lot more services in the church and we would um, do things in person and so on. So, there's we're going to um, have a plan of how to restore the services back again, and it'll be in three phases. Um, the first phase, which we're implementing now, and I'm going to explain in more detail about that, is restoring some of the in-person services with a limited capacity, okay? Um, God willing, at some point in the future, I don't know yet when that would be, when things improve more, God willing, um, we'll enter into phase two, where we increase the capacity and restore more services. And then finally, phase three, uh, after that, when we're ready, is to essentially restore everything again, okay? Uh, Phase one is beginning to roll out starting next week, okay? So, the first aspect of this is related to the liturgy. Okay, so this is these changes are going to start starting this coming weekend. Okay, we're going to increase the liturgy attendance from twelve to eighteen, which is um, to, right now it's twelve. So it's going to go to eighteen. Um, the 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 rows that are in the church right now are spaced six feet apart. We've been using every other row, so we've actually had twelve feet between. Um, each of the families in the church. So now we're going to use every row so that we'll still have the six feet of separation between each family we will be able to accommodate more people um, in the church. And the aim here is to eventually be able to accommodate enough so that we can start to have uh, people attending church every week like that's the goal we want to have people be able to tell church every week right now it's still every other week, Um, but we'll we're we're working toward that goal. so we'll be using every row in the church. On Saturdays and Sundays, uh, there will be greeters um, to help the families to find a seat. It'll be more difficult now that all of the seats will be used. So there'll be, there'll be at least one person there trying to help uh, to, to find a seat. So And for now, the two-week liturgy registration cycle remain unchanged. There will be some modifications uh, to how we're doing things now to start restoring things more to the normal way. Um, I will start giving the sermons on Sunday in the church again, um, instead of it being after the liturgy, I'll do it in the church. Um, For the deacons, a lot of the liturgy service items like the candles, the gospel and other things that kind of we had tried to separate them out very much. Some of those um, requirements will be relaxed so you can have multiple deacons handle the same items. Um, We'll start using the microphone of the lectern again. Um, I will distribute the Orban after the liturgy um, in the Ziploc bags, but I will be the one distributing it. Uh, people who want to submit written prayers, they can do so as opposed to having to text me. If you want to just give me a sheet of paper with the written prayers, that's that's fine. Um, we will continue disinfecting the church after every liturgy as we have been at this phase. Um, that's the uh, the changes for the liturgy. For the hymns classes and the Bible study. So the Bible study... Um, Right now, we've been doing it on Thursdays online from 7.30 to 8.30. Uh, We will resume the original schedule for the Bible study uh, on Thursdays from 7.00 to 8.30 in person. Uh, We will have it in the main church. Okay, so there'll be a larger area. We won't be using the small classroom. Uh, We'll do it in the big church. And so it'll start at 7.00, and we will start with the Agbeah prayer as we were doing originally. And then we will go into the Bible study after that. Um, the 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 there will be um, it will still be offered online so um, it, it'll just still be in the main sanctuary and online as well as we have been um, and uh, the info about how to connect to it is going to be uh, sent soon okay this starts October 8th by the way so so what I'm saying here is not this coming week this is October 8th so the following week is when this will be implemented. We just have to finish doing some technical aspects to make sure everything is working the way we want so we can begin. Um, after the Bible study, uh, there will be the fellowship time afterward with social distancing. So we won't necessarily be able to like get very close, but at least there'll be some um, fellowship opportunities there after the Bible study in person starting October 8th. Again, the, the link of this is going to be sent at a later date once we're sure how we're going to connect uh, everybody. Uh, Similarly, with the hymns classes, we've been doing hymns classes online, Saturdays at 530 uh, for both the adult and the kids. Now we're going to resume it at the same time, but in the church. So the adult hymns classes will resume um, starting uh, after October 8th. So that would be the first Saturday after that. So that would be October uh, 10th uh, on that Saturday uh and the adults are going to be in the main sanctuary and the kids are going to be in the dining hall so again we won't be using the classrooms for those um the adult classes will be offered online um and and i I think probably we'll be offering the the kids as well online so that the some kids who cannot come they will still be able to follow along um from from home um and then again the details of how to connect to this will be provided soon as far as some general comments, the, the requirements of the masks is unchanged. We will be having masks in everything, whether the liturgy or any of these meetings, masks will be required and we'll have the six feet separation required. Um, if you want to see, I updated the document that showed all of the original changes that we had made uh, originally, uh, and so I updated it. If you want to see all of these changes written out in the document, you can find them here on this link. Um, God willing, soon we'll be making additional announcements about Restarting the Youth Academy in person and how that will work uh, once once all of those details are ironed out. So this is the phase one. Again, to be clear, this coming weekend is when the liturgy changes will, will happen, but the other changes for hymns, classes, and Bible studies will happen the following week, starting October 8th. Um, confessions are by appointment. Um, I am taking confessions um, either by phone or in person on Saturday nights. Uh, when the Bible study starts on Thursdays, I will also be taking confessions after the Bible study in person uh, at the church. So contact me if you would like to set up a meeting. This week, um, the QA is canceled on Tuesday. We will have the Bible study online only, not in person, on Thursday at 7.30 as normal. Hymns class is also online only, uh, Saturday at 5.30 vespers and praises on Saturday night um, and then the Sunday sermon from now on is going to be part of the liturgy as originally it was so the timing is going to change it'll be about 9:45 a.m. or so is when the uh, sermon will be um, so just be aware that it's going to move a little bit from week to week based on how fast we've gone in the liturgy and you know where we are in the liturgy but it'll be around 9:45 um, a.m. God willing um, in the liturgy, uh, and uh, and that w- that is streamed um, that is streamed on on YouTube, and it will be also streamed on Facebook. Um, so that will not be on Zoom anymore. That will be on YouTube and Facebook only, uh, uh, starting next Sunday. Okay. Um, for now, the Youth Academy is unchanged. It will stay um, Sunday online from twelve thirty uh, to 1.30. Here are all the links. The YouTube streaming, the Facebook streaming, Zoom uh, is still going to be used. Uh, links here. Um, also, we are starting the next two-week registration cycle for the liturgies. Um, the registration will open at 3 p.m. Uh, here is the link to register. Okay? Um, in general, if you would like, we don't have a QA and a this week, but if you want to submit any questions, I, I, I save all the questions and I eventually get to answering all of them. Uh, God willing, so you can please submit questions you have, and then finally, any donations, uh, if you would like to make any donations to the church, here is the link for, or the different options for donations. Um, God bless you. Let's just conclude in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, God, for this day. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing upon us, and we ask, O God, that you confirm us in our faith, and you grant us to always feel that you are present with us, and that we are in your hands. And that nothing can take us away from you. Grant us, O Lord, joy and a desire to be pleasing to you at all times. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints. Here it says, We pray thankfully, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.